0: My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say a huge thank you to our worship team this morning for the. Uh, energetic and fun worship time we've had, and thanks to Cindy and Jen for all their work preparing for VBS and for kids' worship today. Uh, again, if you are newer to the church, either here in person this morning or joining us online, uh, we'd encourage you, don't uh, rush off too quickly, but use that Connect card. Uh, hang out after the service is over. If you go to our website, if you're at home, you can find the digital Connect card that Linda mentioned. You can let us know uh, who you are. Uh, we won't use your information to spam you in any way. We just like to build those connections, find out more about who you are, and see if we can begin to help you understand more about who we are as a church and build that relationship as we move forward. Uh, We've had the honor and privilege of going through a series that we've called The Way of Jesus from Easter to Pentecost Sunday, which was last Sunday. Pentecost means 50 days, so it was 50 days from the resurrection until the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. And today we're going to have one more message in the way of Jesus. You could might consider it a, a bonus message of the series uh, because it's not really directly related to one of the parables of Jesus, which we had based our series on. It was a study in Jesus' parables. But it's really more identifying a key aspect of the way of Jesus that we can learn about um, that would be a part of how we can continue to allow the character of Christ to be formed in us so that as we go into life in the world, we can be more like Christ and to bless the world around us. For those of you who have participated in the Way of Jesus 50-Day Prayer Challenge, yesterday was day 50. Woohoo! The challenge is over. It's complete. It's done. Good job. I want to say a huge thank you to all of those of you who have participated. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback about how God has been blessing you as a part of that prayer challenge. And I also want to acknowledge that many of us, including myself, were not perfect (laughs) in the challenge and maybe keeping the prayer practice every day for 50 days. But that's okay, because it's never about the performance or perfection. It was always about um, getting to the heart of God's invitation to spend time with Him, allowing our souls to feast at the banquet feast that He's provided through the presence and the power of His love and His Spirit in our lives. And so as a part of that invitation, our bonus message for today in this series, we'll be looking at the way of rest. So in that spirit, I invite you to rest with me and let's pray for God's blessing one more time. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you invite us to rest our souls in you. And even as we come to worship today, to sing praises and to bring offerings of thanksgiving and tithes and uh, celebrating our relationships with one another, we just ask that you would quiet our spirits now, that you would help us to settle into the gift of your presence as we listen to the voice of your spirit through your word. And as Greg had shared so passionately, may, may each one of us receive that gift, that word that you have for us today, so that as we go from this place, we know that we have met with a living God, and because of that, we will be forever changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Many scholars suggest that while there is no direct parable about Sabbath in the Bible, um, which means to stop or to cease or to rest... There are so many incidents of Jesus and his disciples being accused by the religious leaders of breaking the law of the Sabbath uh, that many scholars suggest that these stories of Jesus and his disciples on these Sabbath days form what we might consider more of a lived parable that we can learn from in our own lives. One such story is recorded for us in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, where it says, one Sabbath... Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Or I love the way that Eugene Peterson says it in his paraphrase called The Message The Sabbath was made to serve us, we weren't made to serve the Sabbath. Now in Jesus' day there were often these walking lanes that were created between farmers' fields that would allow people to uh, pass through without having to walk through the fields themselves. And, and on many Sabbath days, Jesus and his disciples would attend worship at the synagogue, and afterwards they would go out and they'd take a walk in the countryside. And so we can assume that one of these Sabbath days, uh, they're out walking through the fields, on these pathways between the farmers' fields, and, and we know that the edges of those fields were never harvested they always left so that the poor or the needy could come and they could glean some of the the harvest and and it was a way of doing charitable work for the the community and so we can imagine that there's these uh you know kind of free to eat grain stocks as they're walking along and and they're getting a little hungry right and so they they break off a little grain of wheat and uh maybe crumble it in their hands and just eat it as they're going along just a little snack right along the way And it says that the Pharisees are seeing them do this. Now, we have to assume the Pharisees aren't out in the farmer's fields every day looking for people who are picking grain on the Sabbath, right? But Jesus and his disciples have garnered their attention, so they're paying extra close attention to every move that Jesus makes because they're looking for any excuse they can have to bring a charge against him and to undermine his authority with the people. And we can see how this story illustrates the strict Pharisees' interpretation of the Old Testament law, right? Uh, That they would identify the picking of a grain of wheat and eating it as a breaking of God's law. I mean, how penny ante can you get? (laughs) And yet, as part of the Old Testament background, we can see that God did create the Sabbath day as a day of rest and holiness. The Sabbath day is important to God. It wasn't something that we should just thumb our nose at or think isn't important, right? If you remember the story of creation in Genesis chapter two, in verse one, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, if we pause for a minute here, there's something unusual about this creation story, isn't there? Why did God rest? I mean, did God need to rest? Was he so tired and worn out from creating the world that he just had to stop and take a break, and he just couldn't do anymore, and so he had to rest? Of course not. That's not the God that we believe in, right? That's not the omniscient, all-powerful, creative God who formed the stars of the universe and and created uh, humankind out of dust and breathed life into them through His Spirit. That's not the God of the Bible. You see, it wasn't because God needed it. It was because He wanted to model for us how to do this rest thing because He knew that we needed it. In fact, knowing how important it was to healthy human living, he even made it one of the Ten Commandments, right? Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10, remember the Sabbath day in keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, over time, this idea of taking a Sabbath day each week became one of the distinctive features about the people of God, about the people of Israel. And here in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus gives an authoritative pronouncement about the Sabbath that takes us to the heart of what God's intent and His motivation was in creating the Sabbath and building it into the life of us as human beings. So the current generation of religious leaders in Jesus' day, especially those known as the Pharisees, had wearied and burdened people by putting all of these religious laws and expectations on them, uh, many of which were oral traditions that had developed over the years. And while Jesus had said that He had come to bring His disciples rest and to unburden those who would come and yoke themselves to him as a disciple, to walk in the way that Jesus walked, and to follow him with their lives. The kind of true rest to which the Sabbath was intended to point. And so Jesus, who comes now and identifies himself as the Son of Man and the promised Messiah, the one who is going to fulfill the law of God, is one who has arrived and is setting the record straight. Now in the story, it says he uses the example of David, and if you don't know the story of David, he was being hunted by King Saul because Saul wanted to kill him, and he and his men were uh, on the run, and they found themselves in the tabernacle, and they were hungry, and so they had uh, the consecrated bread there, which was uh, 12 loaves that were supposed to be baked every Sabbath day as a representative of the covenant between God and the 12 tribes of Israel, and only the priests were supposed to eat it, but nonetheless, David eats it it. Uh, The priests allow him to eat it. He shares it with his companions. And Jesus says, God didn't blame them for that or hold them accountable because he was in need. And so God's mercy and God's grace was demonstrated in this ability for the people uh, to find what they need in their times of distress. David was serving God in a time of great need. He was Uh, allowed to experience God's mercy and God's grace, which is intended to be what the Sabbath is all about. So Jesus uses this example of David to show that the correct interpretation of the law of God is that the law was given to serve people. People were not created to serve the law. And so in his great mercy, God has given us this Sabbath rest as a gift for us to enter into uh, that that would give us a relief from the toil and the burden of the daily grind of living life in this world, not to add further burdens that the people already couldn't carry. Uh, It's more appropriate, Jesus says, to show mercy and to do good on the Sabbath uh, rather than to hold to a strict legalism that somehow we have to, to follow all these religious codes in order to earn God's favor and to be found acceptable in God's eyes and to not make God mad so that he won't strike us with lightning bolts and, and, and kill us. <laughs> Jesus is the one who has come to fulfill the Old Testament law and as such, he says he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He has greater authority over what the Sabbath day means and what it's intended to be for rather than some religious code or some false understanding about why God gave us this gift to begin with. He is the one who has the authority to reveal the correct interpretation of what the Sabbath is supposed to be for God's people. So Jesus says that the law isn't intended to be fulfilled by scrupulous adherence to religious codes like the Pharisees say, but it's in living out the intent of this Sabbath rest, which is to bring mercy and grace and healing to a lost and a broken and a hurting world. This is why many of the stories of Jesus himself, who is being, when he's accused of breaking the Sabbath laws, are when he's healing somebody on the Sabbath. You see, God didn't make the Sabbath for himself. Jesus said God made the Sabbath for us. He meant it to be a gift that we could receive and that we could enter into. The Sabbath isn't supposed to be a restriction on life. It's supposed to be a freedom to experience life. It's, a, it's an invitation for us to recognize that, that none of us have the, 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 the ability to do everything that we need to do in the six days that we have each week. And so this, these lives that we live that are always feeling like nothing is ever completed or nothing is ever done and there's always more work to do and we get back on the hamster wheel and try harder and harder was never the life that God intended us to live. In taking regular time to stop and to rest, we're invited to remember who we really are, as created by God and as loved by Him, who He wants to shower His mercy and His grace and to bring His healing to our lives, not to punish us and hold us accountable because we fail to follow some religious code. And yet, can I suggest for us this morning that in many ways, we continue to be a generation of exhausted people. We're baited by our culture into living life at breakneck speed, always adding more and more to our schedules and never allowing ourselves to truly rest and to recover and to find healing and replenishment in our lives. And the challenge with this is, as we identified last week in the way of joy, is that a lot of the busyness in our lives, a lot of the behaviors and the activities that we give ourselves to, if we're not really paying attention, are more often attempts to mask and to hide the sorrow and the pain and the brokenness that we all carry through life in this broken and this hurting world. And yet it's robbing us of the joy of living. It robs us physically. It robs us emotionally. It robs us relationally. And it's robbing us spiritually. Spiritually. You see, the risk is that when life gets overwhelming, it leads us to a dangerous place because it leads us to discouragement and disillusionment and to depression, and all that prevents us from being able to see our lives clearly in the way that God would have us understand who we are, who he's created us to be, and who he wants to be in our lives. The circumstances of life get bigger and bigger, and God gets smaller and smaller, And our defenses drop, our patience wears thin, and our life choices suffer. Now, God knows all this about us. God isn't surprised. That's why he created Sabbath. That's why when God created the world, he designed you and me to run on a a creation rhythm that is built into the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars. And the very creation that we are a part of as created beings was designed to run on a rhythm that God has created for us and invites us to live into. And he built creation itself with a very intentional spiritual practice called rest. (laughs) But too often we miss the importance of Sabbath. In God's economy. We think that Sabbath is some old-fashioned religious ritual that we don't really need to pay attention to anymore, right? Because we know that we're saved by God's grace. We don't have to earn God's love, so we don't have to keep the Sabbath as some religious ritual to, to, to make ourselves good in God's eyes, Why would we need to keep the Sabbath? I mean, along the way, is it possible that we've missed the whole intent and the importance of why God created Sabbath and offered it to us as a gift to begin with? That Sabbath was made as a gift to serve us, not that we were made to serve the Sabbath. Sabbath. Sabbath rest is really a sign and a gift that reflects God's larger plan to bring His healing and His wholeness to the entire creation through the sacrifice and the love of His Son, Jesus. Yet in our culture, we vastly underappreciate and undervalue this kind of rest. Robert Banks, who was a professor at Fuller Seminary, said, Sabbath is what our leisure-hungry and work-addicted culture desperately needs. But the very Word brings to most minds all the restrictions well-meaning Christians have over the years placed on Sundays. We need to explore the biblical meaning of rest, the theological meaning of Sabbath, and the idea of Sabbath as a life-giving discipline. You see, Jesus is teaching us that what the kingdom of God needs isn't a more stressed-out, overwhelmed, and burned-out you what the kingdom of God needs is arrested, replenished, energized, and passionate you. That's what we all need, isn't it? Isn't that all what we all hope for? If I could just have more time in my schedule, I, 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 w- I would be able to do all those things that I want to do. I'd be able to accomplish all of my hopes and my dreams. And so we keep working harder, running faster, thinking that if we just do more, we'll get there at some point. <laughs> but we're always discouraged, and disillusioned, and disappointed. Author and researcher Marcus Buckingham, who started his career with Gallup, tells of a study of 1,000 young people in third grade through twelfth grade. So these are elementary kids and teenagers, right? And we talked about this before in our Soul Care series a number of years ago, but this study asked this question, If you were granted one wish that would change the way your mother's or your father's work affects your life, what would that be? And in a parallel study that they did at the same time with more than 600 mothers and fathers, they were asked to guess what their children's answer would be. So what do you think? What what would your kids most want from you? Most parents guess that their children would want more time, but they were wrong. Only 10% of children made the wish about their mothers for more time, and only 15% made that wish about their fathers. So what do the kids actually want? The large majority of kids actually wish that their mothers and fathers would be less tired and stressed out. Do we understand how huge of an issue this is in our lives? in our families, in our marriages, in our churches, in our society. Even our kids are saying the same thing that the Bible is telling us, mom and dad, we need arrested, replenished, energized you. Grandma and grandpa, we need a replenished, energized, rested, and passionate you to to help encourage us in life and to to help us understand who God is and, and the life that he's invited us to live and experience. We know this about ourselves, right? We know that we're always a better version of ourselves when we're rested and replenished and energized and passionate about life. And Jesus knew and modeled this too, right? He would be engaged in his calling, engaged in the work that God had called him to do, and then always he would pull away and he'd get out of town and he'd go and he'd rest and he'd pray and he'd spend time with God and he'd replenish his soul and his spirit and then he'd come back and engage in the ministry that God had for him. We see this as a pattern in Jesus' life over and over again. The reality is if we continue to run our lives at an unsustainable pace, even if all the things that we're pursuing are good things, the reality is that life itself begins to fall apart. We begin to fall apart. Our relationships begin to suffer, and we live stressed out, burned out, dissatisfied lives, always wondering why we can never find the pot at the end of the rainbow. The author of the book of Hebrews hints that intentionally enter in, entering into this gift that God has for us called Sabbath rest is ironically hard work for us to do because we are so driven that we even make our religion about our own personal performance and the need to do more and more and more rather than what one author has called a delicious relaxation into God. Isn't that a fun phrase? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if, if mo- most of us looked at our, our faith and, and looked at our relationship with Jesus and asked, what does it mean to be a disciple to Jesus? And we said, oh, it's a delicious relaxation into God. <laughs> Do we understand that is the invitation that Jesus has given us? You don't have to keep running faster and doing more and trying to check all of your to-do lists off in order to find happiness and joy and completion in life. Sometimes you just have to stop and rest and realize that God has invited you to experience a delicious relaxation into God. But sadly, too many of us miss the opportunity for just such a relationship with Jesus. Hebrews 4, 9 to 11 says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And here I think we could look right back to the Pharisees. You see, Sabbath itself, the Bible tells us, becomes a model of God's salvation. It shows the original intent from before the creation of the world that God had intended to bring his healing and his wholeness and his joy to our lives through his son Jesus. In fact, we could also say that keeping the Sabbath can't be contained to the practice of just one day a week. Sabbath is about recovering our harmony and our relationship with God, which means that we have peace with God and that we enter into God's own rest as a gift that he gives to us. Again, Rob Banks says, first and foremost, Sabbath is the redemption of time. Sabbath is the redemption of time. To some, it might appear a waste of time. Nothing is accomplished, or so it seems. But in reality, something indispensable to rest is taking place. Time itself is being recovered as a gift from God rather than as a resource to be managed. You see, the purpose of Sabbath is to to shape how we live and to shape our understanding of who God has created us to be and how we see our lives in this world. Sabbath is supposed to be contemplative. It's supposed to be prayerful. It's supposed to be playful. It's supposed to be enjoyable. It's supposed to be a freedom for our souls, not a restriction for our lives. And so taking a Sabbath day means that we have to intentionally pull away from email. We have to stop looking at Facebook and surfing the internet. It means we have to pull away from social media and put do not disturb on our phones. It means we have to pull away from the work to do's or whatever it is that you fill your time doing, whether it's piles of laundry or meal planning or, or, or whatever it is that you give your time that you feel like if you don't do it, you're going to fall behind and your life is going to fall apart because you're not pulling your weight. We have to pull away from all of that because God says when we do, we have the opportunity for the Spirit of God to actually replenish our souls. In this time of Sabbath, God wants you to actually take time to enjoy the life He's given you. Can you imagine that? You might actually enjoy life, (laughs) which means that taking a Sabbath day doesn't mean you just sit on the couch and do nothing. Wait, wait, unless of course that's what you need to do, right? Sometimes some, one of the most spiritual things that you can do is take a nap. Seriously, God wants you to be replenished, energized, and ready for life. And so if you need to sit on the couch for an afternoon, if you need to take a nap, if you need to just get out and enjoy being in nature and take a walk like Jesus and his disciples, take the time to do it. It means you go on a walk not to burn calories or to get steps, but just because you can go on a walk and you can get outside and you can enjoy the sunshine that we have today. You can get out into nature. You can go take a hike. You can go ride a bike. You can enjoy your life in your garden. You can cook a meal. You can go out to dinner with friends. You can spend time enjoying the people that you love. You can spend time with your children. You can spend time with your grandchildren. In fact, you can take your grandchildren and your children out into nature and take a hike. If we continue to look at life as a series of to-do lists that we have to check off over and over again until somehow that the, the list is going to end and we're going to be able to get to the point where we can stop, we're going to be robbed of the joy of life. And that's not what God wants for you. Men and women, even retirement, the to-do lists never end, right? I mean, I talk with my parents over and over again. They are busier in retirement than they ever were when they were working. Because we are conditioned to fill our time with more and more and more, and we never learn how to pace ourselves and get ourselves into the rhythm that God has designed for us. That it's okay, and it's important, and it's valuable sometimes to just take a rest because that's where we find the joy of living, and that's where we meet the Spirit of God, and that's where we're replenished in our spirits from the inside out. Now, maybe you can't start by taking a a 24-hour Sabbath day, right? Maybe your schedule is so busy and you've been running so hard, and you've got so many things on your calendar already that the idea of taking a whole day to rest and to play and to just be with family is just impossible, and that's okay. Sometimes we have to work up to these things, but maybe you can take a half day You know, maybe you can take a morning through lunch and you could say, this morning is going to be about resting and enjoying life and just savoring the relaxation of the deliciousness of God's spirit. Now, I have to confess, I still struggle with this myself. You know, we talk about this at at staff quite a bit. You know, for those of us who work on weekends, like some of you may do as well, We have to try and find other days that we could truly say is a a Sabbath day where we're not working. And so we even challenged ourselves as a staff to say, okay, let's say once a month, we're going to pick a personal Sabbath day and we're not going to stay at home. We're not going to go to work, but we're going to do some kind of activity that we feel connects us to God. And we're just going to spend a day allowing God to replenish our souls. It's a great idea, right? How many times do you think the tyranny the urgent comes in or it's like, oh, I can't do that today because this and that and the other thing came up and, well, I'll make it up and then I never make it up and then it comes to the next month and it's like, gosh, I haven't taken my personal Sabbath day in a couple months now and it just kind of falls by the wayside. It happens to me over and over and over again because there's something about life in this world that wants to pull us away from God's best for our lives that wants us to distract us from what we know to be true, what the Bible has revealed to us about the way of Jesus and how he wants to build his character into our lives. And even though we know it intellectually, we don't follow through on it, we don't build it into our lives, and so we miss the opportunity to experience the delicious relaxation of the presence of God in our lives. Now, like all the pathways that we've explored in the Way of Jesus series, true rest isn't something that we can create or manufacture for ourselves. It's a gift from God that we discover in our relationship with Jesus. But just like the great banquet feast that we talked about last week, all are invited, but we have to choose to come and enter in and enjoy the gift in order to experience its blessing. Again, it's important that we recognize that what we do isn't what saves us. God has already offered us his love and his forgiveness through the free grace of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross. Salvation is God's free gift to you and me, and he invites us in that freedom to enter into the rest that he has for us. And perhaps more importantly, It's how we experience the truth of what we say we believe, right? We live into it. We put it into practice. We allow it to shape our time and our schedule and how we order our lives. Here's the thing. Rest is not just about resting. Rest is always associated with trust in God. Do you really trust that God has your life in his hands? Do you really trust that God has your, the best plan for you that, that you might not even be able to know or understand in the moment, but, but you can entrust your life to him knowing that he will guide you on the path towards true joy and fulfillment and happiness? Do we, do we, we, we believe that, but do we really trust God for that? Because what rest is going to force us to say is, God, I, I, I can't get it all done in six days. I, I don't have the ability to do all the things that I feel like I need to do in order to be happy or in order to be acceptable or in order to, to somehow think that I'm a good enough person. So I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to choose to rest in you because I trust you because I know it's not about how good I am. I know it's all about how good you are and that you've promised if I trust in you and I enter into the way of Jesus as his disciple, you will bless me and you will teach me about the source of true living water that will fill my soul from the inside out. Now, it might seem counterintuitive at first, yet too often we find ourselves at a place in life where we come to the end of our rope. And it's especially in these moments when we need to hear again the invitation to the way of Jesus, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Amen? God, we thank you that from before the creation of the world, you knew we needed your rest in our lives. And so you modeled that for us. Even though you didn't need to take a break, God, you rested on the seventh day and you made it a holy day. You made it a sacred day to remind us of our desperate need to pause and to spend time with you and to spend time with one another to celebrate the gift of life that you've given us. God, forgive us today for the ways that we continue to take the reins of our lives, thinking that if we just work it harder or, or, or we work it smarter or we do more things that we think we need to do or we find these behaviors that allow us to escape from the sorrow and the pain that we're carrying, that somehow it's going to leave us feeling happier. Forgive us for all the ways that we seek our happiness in everything but you. And God, give us the courage as we go today To become intentional even now, even if it's just an hour a week or a half day a week or a day a week or one day a month, to commit a day to being with you. And God, I pray that you bless each one of us and you remind us of the delicious relaxation that we can only find in your loving, healing presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.